Steve. Hey, Kirby. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Welcome to episode 18 of the Chalk Dust Podcast, where teachers talk about their experiences in the classroom. Because once the dust settles, every teacher has a story to tell. This is Kirby Alexander, your host, and today I'm talking with Dr. Steve Prismus, an assistant professor of education at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. I met Steve in 2016 when he joined the faculty in the College of Education. Steve has extensive experience teaching at the middle and high school level, both in the United States and abroad. He now leverages that experience as a teacher, as well as his own research, to help prepare college students for a career in education. I'm really looking forward to learning more about Steve and his journey as an educator. Let's get started. Hey, well, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with me today and to tell us a little bit about your teaching journey, your teaching story. I know you have a lot of amazing experiences that you're excited to share, and um, I'm definitely excited to learn about them. So let's go ahead and get started. Wonderful. Thank you. So tell us first about what you're doing now. Uh, Where do you teach? What do you teach? How long were you a classroom teacher? You know, uh, how long have you been at your current institution? Just give us some details about uh, kind of who you are and, and what you're doing right now. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I um, this is my 26th year as a teacher. Um, I spent 16 years in U.S. public um, classrooms as a oh a middle school Spanish teacher for about six years and. Mm-hmm. Um, then I guess I went overseas for a couple of years in the Peace Corps. Um, and then I came back and did eight more years as a high school ESL teacher and Spanish teacher. Um, and then went and got my, my PhD. And I've, I've been an assistant professor of bilingual education at Texas Christian University for the last five and a half years. I really, uh, am interested in what, uh, kind of what got you interested in teaching to begin with, you know, what was your, what was your story behind your first teaching job? And really even before that, what got you interested in teaching when you were deciding on your career? I have, I'm the youngest of uh, four boys and my oldest brother, who's nine years older than me is a band teacher. Hmm. Uh, So when he was doing his undergraduate, become a teacher I think that was during an influential time in my life, you know, to been in like junior high myself and, you know, visiting him at the university. And um, I remember his first teaching job. Um, I've always respected him and all my brothers. uh, But I think that was my first concrete visual of what it's like to be a teacher. Hmm. You know, I saw the camaraderie that he had with his his fellow teachers and I, he was happy and he's still a, a happy band teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I actually, I didn't go to college to be a teacher. I, I w- started my freshman year, my sophomore year as a political science major. Hmm. Um, not, not sure what I was planning on doing, but uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed government. I uh, enjoyed criminal justice courses. Uh, but I was always taking Spanish at the same time. That was going to be a minor or a double major. And I think I figured out I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a politician. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to people about what I knew, trying to figure things out. Um, I, I've always viewed teaching as 
an exercise in solving puzzles hmm. with people. And, um, I, it was just one of my best decisions. I think it was maybe the sophomore, like spring semester of my sophomore year, or maybe even the fall semester of my junior year, switching over to the college of education. Hmm. Um, it just allowed me to do everything I wanted to do. I yeah. was still talking about government and political science and Spanish and philosophy and all of the things that interested me. Now it was just sort of like, trying to get other people to understand it the way I understood it in my head, which was just solving this puzzle of how do you explain things to make it accessible to others? Hmm. Um, and then how, what do I learn uh, while doing that? Uh, so it was just a perfect career choice for me. Um, I've just been a happy educator for 25 plus years. Yeah. Um, I, I remember my first job, and interviewing for it like it was yesterday. I, I was a December graduate. I did four and a half years of undergraduate because I switched okay. majors and I was a December graduate. So I was student teaching in the fall semester looking for jobs and just aren't as many jobs open to start in January, you know, get hired in December. And there was a, I actually, I uh, had two offers, and uh, one of them was at this middle school in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Hmm. And I just remember driving to it in the snow and the ice. And I lived yeah. in South Dakota, so it wasn't that different. But um, I brought my guitar along with me, <laughs> and it was uh, a junior high Spanish job and teaching Spanish one, Spanish two, just getting kids interested in Spanish and just sort of setting them up to take it in high school. And uh, I remember the class, I had to practice teach a lesson in a portable. And I just went in and all the kids staring at me and it was fun. I pulled yeah. out my car and I taught, you know, the days of the week and, and the months of the year in Spanish um, to some to some blues music and <laughs> um, got the job and, uh, you know, loved being there. Oh, that's really cool. And so uh, you started in December and how would you describe that first year? And I guess for you, your first year was a little different because you had kind of the, from December to the end of the year. And then the next year was really kind of your true first full year. So how would, how would you describe that kind of that first year of teaching, uh, there in Council Bluffs. Yeah, it was it was challenging. Um, I was the, I think I was like the fifth Spanish teacher in the last two years. Um, mm. The person I was taking over for um, had been there from the beginning of the year, but I think it might have been his second year. Um, and consequently, he was leaving that job mid year because he was joining the Peace Corps. Oh, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> And was going to the Dominican Republic, uh, which, you know, six years later, I left that same school to join the Peace Corps to the Dominican Republic, which oh was pretty, gosh. pretty crazy considering the Peace Corps is in like 75 countries. Yeah. And you don't really have a choice. Back then, you don't have a choice where you go. Uh, yeah. Today, I think you might a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a lot, you know, it was an exercise in convincing the kids I was going to be consistent for them. Mm. It was going to care about them and, and stay at least yeah. for the end of the year. Right. Um, 
So it was a lot about just getting to know the kids, um, being there for them, convincing them, um, and just surviving, yeah. <laughs> really. Oh, you yeah. know, 22, and I was living in a studio basement apartment. It was dreary. <laughs> it was yeah. winter Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cold winters, probably uh, in a basement, lots of, you know, very little sunlight coming in. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember my contract was for $11,500. Oh, my word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I remember telling my cooperating teacher when we were, when I was, because I was still student teaching at the time. And, and when I, I told her, you know, should I take it? She said, well, double that, you know, it's like. Twenty twenty three thousand dollars, and she goes, "That's that's more than I'm making at this high school here in South Dakota." And I said, "Oh, okay, I'll do it." <laughs> oh my word, yeah, yeah. I think my first teaching salary was twenty three thousand dollars, and you know, I remember thinking, "Wow, that's going to actually be you know a pretty good paycheck." And yeah, then, then I saw the paycheck, and I was like, "Well, they took this amount out for retirement. They took yeah. this amount out for Social Security." Um, and then, uh, it still didn't quite add up and, and I called HR and they said, well, you realize, you know, a pretty good chunk of that is actually not money you get. That is just included in your salary because it's your benefits package, Yeah. which as a 22 year old, I never used cause like, like I was going to go to the doctor. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I can totally relate. You know, if, if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice back, uh, you know, Back in twenty-two-year-old Steve living in a basement apartment, uh, if you could give if you could give that guy a piece of advice or maybe more than one piece of advice before your first day of teaching, what do you think it would be? Um, I, you know, I think that we get really focused on on grading and discipline, and that can that can be classroom behavior and planning that can really take up so much of our, our mental space. And we forget to just enjoy, enjoy teaching, enjoy the, the students mm-hmm. and, you know, just enjoy the, the quirkiness of middle school kids. You know, yeah. I love yeah. it. I, I'd probably still be teaching there had my, you know, um, my, my partner at the time not say, Hey, do you want to do the Peace Corps? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> like, uh, okay. You know, but I, you know, I think I, I was really happy there. I, um, I, I was nominated teacher of the year three years in and just really loved teaching there and, and did some really fun, cool things. Um, but I, I think that still today I need to remind myself to just enjoy it. Just really enjoy the, the funny stories that, that students say, you know, even college students, have have yeah. funny stories and, oh, yeah. and surprising. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. Yeah, I I think the same thing a lot of times. You know, don't focus so much on everything you think they should be doing, and just enjoy hanging out with them. You know, without maybe finding that balance of without making it howdy duty time. You know, where it's just playtime all the time. But yeah, that's really great advice. Um, and so you mentioned. Uh, your, one of your teaching experiences in a foreign country in the Dominican Republic. Uh, would you mind t- telling us a little bit about those, uh, those teaching abroad experiences you have? Um, and, you know, just tell us a little bit about like the different places you've taught, 
maybe even how that has changed your perspective on teaching in the U.S. And yeah. how does how how have those experiences influenced your research and um, now how you prepare teachers? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, about six years into my teaching career, my partner finished was finishing her master's mm. and was sort of deciding she want to go into as a speech pathologist, want to go into working in the hospitals or the schools or whatever. Mm. And, and she had wanted to do the Peace Corps a long time ago, like when she was first in, in mm-hmm. college. Uh, and so we did it. Uh, we it, the, That process takes about a year. Okay. And um, we got placed in the Dominican Republic. We lived there for uh, 27 months. Um, I was a information technology for education. I was like an IT uh, education guy hmm. in the Dominican Republic and ran a computer lab. Um, I would hmm. open it up and um, in computers. This was in 2003. Okay. And the the government of the Dominican Republic had received a bunch of computers and had started up like almost a hundred computer labs on the island. And uh, but but using computers as a teaching tool was very new. Yeah. Uh, to the teachers. So I would open up the lab and I would invite in-service teachers in and I would teach them anything from how to use the mouse to using Paint, Microsoft Paint, to Excel, to Word, to PowerPoint. And eventually I would co-teach with them and then I would let them teach on their own and then I would just be there for support. Um, so that was my primary job at a, at two different high schools and a middle school uh, but then I also worked at elementary schools as well, just kind of working with student or mm-hmm. with teachers. Um, I, you know, it living in another country, um, I don't know, you make about $125 a month as a Peace Corps volunteer and wow. it's enough to like pay rent, buy groceries, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would say that experience taught me the extremes of my personality. I think when I look back on it, I'm, I am the proudest I've ever been of how I've acted and the least proud hmm. I've ever been of how I've acted just because of the, the pressures of, of being a, a, a foreigner in a country, hmm. um, which really informs how I prepare teachers today to work with kids from other countries. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, it just left an impact on me so great. Um, there were so many days where I felt dumb because I was living in another language. Um, you know, I couldn't express myself as well as I could in English. Um, I would get, you know, laughed at. I would, you know, have people think I just kind of write me off as not being as smart, you know, just because it's, you're trying to live and work and everything in another language. And I, I don't want kids to ever feel that way here in the U S. So, you know, I really stress with pre-service teachers to to work on identity first with students. Hmm. Um, and that language is really linked to identity. So allowing kids to use their whole linguistic repertoire, whatever languages they know to learn, is also building their positive identity in school at the same time. And, and we know that kids have to have a positive identity before before they're going to learn. Mm-hmm. anything um yeah i mean that's the peace corps i yeah. i did a um 
after I did my master's in the U.S. in applied linguistics, I, I, I got a Fulbright grant and spent a semester at a university in southern Mexico. Okay. Um, and I, I taught at the university and I conducted research on dual language education. And, and I would say that both experiences, the Dominican Republic and, and the and Fulbright in, in Mexico, really made me feel like we don't have high enough expectations for students in the U.S. Hmm. Seeing the, what's expected of kids in the Dominican Republic, especially in areas of math and science, definitely hmm. in Mexico the same way, language teaching, um, both times I've come back to the U.S. and I've wanted to just push, push students more, push my colleagues more to expect more from students to, um, I don't know. I, I, I will forever be grateful to have had spent time in the global South. Yeah. Uh, to just see how people think differently, write differently, uh, the different authors that I've read, the different ways of thinking. I've, I've spent time with, Zapotec indigenous teachers in Oaxaca, Mexico, hmm. and the way they think about education and view community literacy just really has changed my my mind about literacy development. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of experiences. Hmm. Now in the summertime, I my family and I spend a couple weeks in central Mexico and Guanajuato, Mexico. Okay, um, I, I teach. Um, in a study abroad program through the University of Arizona and mm-hmm. the University of Guanajuato. And um, all of the experiences just kind of keep making me, you know, a, a different person as an educator, but yeah. all good. That's great. And so, you know, you, you've had these uh, experiences here in the U.S., uh, um, teaching sp- experiences abroad. What inspired you to get a Ph.D. and start uh, teaching at the university level and, and to start preparing teachers for a career in education? When I finished my master's in applied linguistics, I was a high school teacher at the time. And I was, I was taking classes at night, taking classes on Saturday, full time in the summers and finished my master's in two years, but kept teaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my thoughts about teaching, about language development, identity development, changed just drastically over getting that master's, but nothing was changing at the school system, the district level, hmm. the state level, um, federal level. And it really frustrated me. So I, you know, I had a master's now and I wasn't, didn't feel like I could enact the change I wanted to mm-hmm. and thought, you know, maybe I can if I get my PhD. Um, so I, I started a doctorate at the University of Arizona and, um, it, it's been wonderful. You know, yeah. the, the one thing I didn't want to do was to get my doctorate and then not be in schools anymore. And I've yeah. been able yeah. to continue during the four years at Tucson when I was getting my PhD. I, conducted research in schools. I was part of the dual language um, committees of school districts Mm -hmm. and was in classrooms a lot with my own children. And I still do that today um, here in Fort Worth. So I I really feel like it's worked out the way I wanted it to. I have a little bit more influence uh, with the letters behind my name and research that I'm putting out into the world. Um, But, you know, it's still... 
it's still an interesting process. You know, um, in Spanish, we've got a, a saying that I think it, there is in English too. I'm just not sure what it, what it would be, but mm -hmm. we say in Spanish, nadie es profeta en su propia tierra. Mm. Uh, no one's a prophet in their own land. Uh, um, so it's kind of like the change I want to see happen here is so much easier to do in other school districts, other states, you mm -hmm. know, uh, but, but I'm starting to see a little bit of change as well where I live and in yeah. bilingual education here in Texas. And yeah, uh, it's been good. That's really great. Speaking toward the work you're doing here at TCU, could you tell us a little bit about the uh, Maestro program that, that, that you have, uh, I guess it's going to be starting here pretty soon. Yeah. The, um, as we, as we know, the, the majority of, of us school teachers are primarily white and female. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think about 2% are, uh, Latino males. Mm. And when you start looking at a state like Texas, Texas is one of the states with the largest gap of Latinx students ah. and Latinx teachers. And that gap even grows bigger when you compare Latinx students with, with male uh, mm. Latinos as teachers. And so the Maestro program is based off of, um, it, I think, informed by existing programs in the country, like Call Me Mister, mm. to recruit and support and place black men in teachers. Mm -hmm. Where Maestro is uh, a concerted effort to recruit, support, and place Latino males in the teaching profession. Mm. Um, it, it, all Latinx people, but uh, with a, I think, a purposeful intention to, to um, try to get more males into teaching to produce both those mirrors and windows uh, for for students. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we're we're. Uh, actively talking about the program in the community with our community partners um, like uh, Tarrant uh, County College mm. and uh, different high schools that have the kind of the teaching career track program at their high schools. Mm -hmm. Just trying to get the word out to talk about the teaching profession, talk about the really interesting things part of my throw like the professional academy that maestro candidates will participate in, the pro seminar that that maestro candidates will participate in, the four years here or the two years that are transfer student, uh, the required study abroad component, um, the you know the support that we will offer these candidates. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be we're hoping to have our first cohort in the fall of 2022, and yeah. I think it's going to just be a great program that hopefully we see replicated by other institutions around the country. No, absolutely. That's great. You know, and I, as you were explaining the program, it made me think of a, a term you used earlier with identity and just the fact that, you know, many times people don't consider a particular career or don't really become interested in something just because they maybe don't see themselves in that career and so, you know, this could be one of those things that just has a cyclical effect over time where, you know, the more Latinx men you're able to get into a teaching career, the more other uh, kids in the schools are going to see themselves potentially uh, doing that career later on as well. So I think that's yeah, really cool. That's a really good point, Kirby. I think 
um, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's showing not only Latinx uh, men, but all people what a career in teaching can mean, mm-hmm. what it can look like, the benefits of it. Uh, but also it's an ideological change of what it means to be a teacher. When I think about living in Mexico specifically, I would leave my little apartment at night typically walked to the university where I was teaching at. Mm-hmm. And every day between, I'd say the first three blocks away from my apartment, yeah. someone would yell at me across the street, maestro, buen dia, maestro. <laughs> That's you awesome. Know? And I would just be known as the maestro in the in the neighborhood. And, oh, I loved it. You know, I'd get to school and it'd be maestro, profe, or, you know. And yeah. so literally maestro meaning master you're you're a master at something you've uh, you've mastered it you're an expert at it and i think that uh calling this program the maestro program could tap into some of those uh valued ideologies of the profession oh that's really cool one question i have and this is kind of maybe a little more philosophical or you know a little broader than some of these other questions but if you were allowed to make one phone call to all of your former students what would you tell them? Um, you know, I'd probably tell them thank you. Hmm. Thank you for the grace they had with me yeah. <laughs> as, <laughs> as a teacher, um, as sort of a, you know, I tell bad dad jokes, you oh, know. I'm and, the same. I know. Yeah, I do the things that, <laughs> that give me enjoyment, and I hope it gives people enjoyment as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I would say thank you. And, um, and, and it's primarily the, it, I would want to express gratitude, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think I would just want to remind them as well that if, if we had any fun at all and learned along the way to do that as well with students to replicate that, to, to keep moving that forward to uh, just keep reminding students that being in school is a pretty great time. (laughs) It should be a pretty great time in our lives and therefore working and teaching in school should be a pretty great time in your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's really great. I feel the same way. Yeah. Just gratitude that, that, that they put up with our dad jokes and sometimes our missteps, uh, but more than anything, just their willingness to join in and, and on this journey with us. Yeah, I think that's really cool, Steve. Um, and so, you know, similarly, as a teacher, how do you know if you're doing a good job? Or in other words, you know, how do you judge success for yourself? Well, I think that student voices, comments, evaluations, um, I know we're, we're told we need to take those with a grain of salt. And, and, and indeed, I, I think we should. Um, I, I recognize many, many of the privileges that I have as part of my identity that, mm-hmm. that give me a lot of good evaluations from students. Mm. Um, but I still take them so seriously. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I um, just yesterday, my daughters asked me if I would take the the personality test. They're really into these personality <laughs> tests and those acronyms. Those I don't even know what they are. Yeah. I N F T whatever. Yeah, I know. 
I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what they mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they've been, you know, spouting these, these acronyms off for, for years. And yeah. I've been, you know, I know what they are to them, you know, and, uh, but they're like, dad, you got to take this. So yesterday I sat down and took this test and, and I got my acronyms, you know, I'm an ENFP. Okay. And, um, when, you know, you finish these tests, it tells you who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Largely, it confirmed a lot of things I know about myself. I'm a, I'm, I like to please people. Mm-hmm. Um, I care a lot about what people think about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm accommodating, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> all these things. So if you ask me how I judge success, a large part of it will be, well, did my did my students like that course? You hmm. know, I do formative assessments every day during class. I do summative at the end with these exit tickets every week. Mm-hmm. I read through them. I adjust my class for the next week, whether it's I shorter breaks or longer breaks or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, more visuals or more description or posting the PowerPoint, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and then I, um, you know, I've been a teacher, you know, Kirby, we've been teachers a long time. Yes. You know? um, and there's a, a certain pride in becoming the best teacher that, that we can be. So I care a lot about that. Mm. Um, had you asked me this question 10 years ago, I wouldn't have talked about research really at all. Hmm. Um, well, that's not true. I, I was doing my master's thesis back in. I don't know when, but um, I started thinking about in my Fulbright, I did a big, big research. But mm-hmm. but now I have to answer that question with how many publications I have, mm. you know, what um, how many citations I have, how many yeah. did I get this year, uh, what journals they're in. And um, that's that's become a big part of my life that I didn't see coming, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe eight, nine, ten years ago. And it is now. So. I would say that both how my students feel about the course and what kind of research I'm putting out in the world. Yeah. That's how I measure my success. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I can, I can very much relate to, to both of those things. I, I, you know, as we, we kind of live in the same world. And so, yeah, I totally get it. And uh, thinking about, you know, your students and the classes you teach, what is the main big idea you want your students to remember when they complete one of your classes? So my classes are primarily based around language, mm-hmm. both language. Um, but to me, that means identity. And I will always front when I have to write like what it is my research is about and my teachings about. I always kind of front with it's about identity. Hmm. Um, the, the phrase that I'm throwing around right now that I want to write a paper about is um, moving from fight or flight to read and write. Hmm. When our students are in this constant fight or flight, their amygdala, their watchdog is just shooting off all the time. Mm-hmm. They have no chance of learning to read and write or understand what you're trying to teach them. So whatever I would say my students can do and what I want to leave with them, the takeaway is um, what you want to teach them is important, but you have no chance of teaching them that until you validate their identities in the classroom. So work on identity. 
uh, Kirby, I think it was one of my, probably within the first three or four years of teaching, mm-hmm. I was trained in um, the Boys Town social skills model. Oh, you know, yeah. I lived in Omaha. Mm-hmm. I actually went to Boys Town uh, to do the training, uh, implemented it in in the junior high I was teaching. And I think the following year I took, I want to say the first four weeks of the school year to just work on social skills, identity development, getting to know my students. I literally didn't teach content lesson for about the first four weeks. Hmm. And I ended that school year several weeks ahead in content than I ever had before. And it was because I wasn't putting out little fires here and there. My office referrals, I think I sent a, I I did had a record in the school of maybe three office referrals that whole year. Wow. And um, so what that shown to me is if I can take some time to get to know the kids in my, in my class, whether they're, you know, university students or younger, um, that's the most important. Yeah. Wow. That's really great. Uh, well, Steve, uh, I know that you've got a, a busy schedule and I don't want to keep, uh, take any more of your time, but I really, really appreciate you talking with me today. And this has just been, uh, fantastic learning sure. about your story, uh, kind of your teaching journey, um, and many of the things that just motivate your, your teaching and the way that you connect with your students. This has just been great, and I really appreciate your time. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Kermit. Right. Thank you, Steve. <laughs>